0: They're very drafty and cold in the winter, um, and then they don't open. So last week the kids were cooking up there. And we want to invest, upgrade to something like this. It would be far, far better. And then a larger part of the project concerns uh, Storehouse, our Compassion Ministry project that serves hundreds of families in poverty in our local communities. Um, and, and the, again, the dream at the heart of this project is a redevelopment of the space that uh, Storehouse operates from, really to increase capacity, um, especially for things like food. The need for food has been going up and up and up over recent years. Um, but also creating areas like this, of, of a food and a clothes shop, um, free of charge to families that come in, uh, but really as a way of furthering, uh, further empowering the families that we serve Um, treating them with greater dignity. That's at the heart of what we're wanting to do. So firstly, thank you to everyone um, that has filled out a response card over the last couple of weekends. We really appreciate uh, the way that people are partnering um, in this. Let me me give you some numbers um, just to let you know. Firstly, we we asked, you know, if you're not currently committed to regular giving, um, would you be a part of that? And 12 new families or individuals said... Uh, that they were making that commitment. So that is wonderful. Second thing, as part of this, we spoke about food collection boxes. Um, you know, our need for food has gone up and, you know, whether people could explore having one in their workplace or other places. Um, and 10 people have said they were up for exploring that, which is wonderful. So some of those are workplaces, BA up at the airports and BP. So people are going to have conversations there. One of them was someone who who's part of their local park run. I mean, that's fabulous. You know why wouldn't hundreds of people turning up bring a tin of beans, and then you can choose whether you donate it at the start of your run, or at the end of your run. You know you can you can do which you want. Um, and then in terms of financial giving to the Open Hand Project, these are where the numbers are. So given on the day, actual gifts received, um, a little bit over nineteen thousand pounds, including gift aid, was given on the day. Uh, that's good. That's wonderful. A further £70,289 has been pledged for this year and then in future years another £6,675 which is utterly wonderful. So I will do the maths for you. If you add all of those up and all of the pledges are honoured, it comes to just a few pounds short of £96,000 which is utterly stunning. I think you need to give yourselves another huge <laughs> round of applause. You know, as, I, as I've thought about this, one, one, of the, one of the things that is very dear to me is I want to pastor a church that cares for the poor. And so I'm very, very proud of you today because you said, yes, we're up for caring for the poor. And we're up for investing in what God is doing and in advancing his kingdom in these ways, in serving our children and young people, but in serving the poor as well. And so I'm very proud of you today. So I'm proud of you a lot of the time, but I'm very proud of you today. Because this is where rubber hits the road, doesn't it? We can be, you know, we can do lots of lovely stuff, but when we actually have to reach into our pockets, the game changes. So I'm very proud of you today. Um, So... As the pledges come in, we can progress this project. So that is one way of saying, if you have pledged, please do what you need to do. So some of you said you'll give now, wonderful. Others, it's a point later in the year. If you can't remember what you wrote down, just call the office. We can remind you. Please you know, put a note in your diary to do that. Also, it, it is not too late to be involved. The, the brochures, the response cards are out at the sides of the auditorium. Uh, you know, it's really an opportunity for us all to be a part of making compassion happen. So please don't miss out on that opportunity. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you have some pain in your body right now? Bo- pain, body, mind or spirit. How many of you have got some pain in your body right now? You're a very healthy bunch, if that's true. (laughs) Let me ask you to raise another hand, or it might be a different hand, if you know somebody that is unwell in any way. Body, mind, or spirit. So one hand if it's you, another hand as well if you know somebody that is unwell. And then keep your hands raised if you would love Jesus to either release healing to you or to them. Okay, let's talk. We're continuing our Risk Takers series this morning. We started it last weekend. I believe that to live a normal Christian life requires us to take risks. We have a little saying in the vineyard, which is this. The way we spell faith is R-I-S-K. If we want to live a life of faith, we will have to take risks. It's to be a normal part of living a Christian life. And so this week, what I want to share about is taking a risk that god will heal taking a risk that god will heal if you've said yes to jesus i believe that a primary job that god has for you and for me is to bring his healing into a broken world there are a lot of sick people there's a lot of brokenness and he wants to use people like you and me to release some healing into our world you see jesus sent his disciples out not to pray for the sick he sent them out to heal the sick So I'll launch that little grenade to you this morning. That's a challenge. That's what Jesus commissioned. Healing the sick, I believe, is intended to be normal for a follower of Jesus. If you've not yet said yes to Jesus, I'm delighted you're here this morning. You are so incredibly welcome. You may also be someone who longs to see healing in our world. You also long to see broken things made whole again. And so I hope that one of the things you hear today is that God wants to use you to be a part of seeing that happen. So what is risk? I shared this definition last week. Risk is the exposure to a chance of injury or loss. Now in the area of healing, as we pray for the sick, the chance of injury is low. It is quite unlikely in our country that someone will punch you if you pray for them. So that's, that's very low. The risk we face is loss. What if they're not healed? And so we might lose confidence. What if I don't feel that my prayers are good enough? So we might lose heart. We might lose courage. What if the person I pray for thinks that I'm an idiot? What if I think I'm an idiot? And so we might lose face. We might lose reputation. What does the Bible say? We're going to continue a story that we started last Sunday. If you have a Bible, could you turn to 1 Kings chapter 17? It's in the Old Testament. If you're using a paper Bible, it's that far through. If you're using a gadget or a phone, um, that's wonderful. Um, the words will come up on the screen when we get to the story. But the background is this. It one of the central characters in this story is a guy called Elijah and he has given a very challenging prophetic word to king Ahab now Ahab was a really evil guy and he said to him there's going to be no rain and actually it was going to be no rain for a long period of time and then god tells Elijah to go to a ravine and there the ravens would come and feed him so that's a risk Elijah obeyed And the ravens did as well. The ravens provided room service. And then a little bit later, God sent Elijah to a town called Zarephath. And he meets this widow. She she, she had hit rock bottom. She was probably quite depressed, very low point in life. She had just enough oil and flour to bake a last loaf for her and her son. And then she wanted to go and die. And Elijah says to her, hang on, use what you have to bake me a loaf first, and then your supplies won't run out. And so she takes a risk, she she follows that instruction, and the supplies don't run out. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 17 of 1 Kings chapter 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah... What do you have against me, man of God? Feels a bit harsh to me. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Now, we don't know what her background is here, but this looks like someone with a guilty conscience. This looks like someone who knows there is something in her past and thinking this is coming back to haunt me. And maybe you resonate with that. Maybe there are things you're just wondering whether something's waiting to go wrong. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. Lord my God, have you brought tragedy on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down into the room, into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look. Your son is alive. That is remarkably understated. (laughs) You know, if that was us, we'd be setting off the fireworks, wouldn't we? (laughs) Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. It's a stunning story, isn't it? It's just amazing. One of the things I believe it shows us is that it is possible for ordinary people like you and me to partner with an extraordinary God. That we can do this kind of stuff too. And where it starts, where we need to start is where Elijah starts and he starts by being really honest. Let me read verse 20 again. This is where Elijah starts. He cries out to God, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Have you ever prayed a prayer that goes something like this? Oh God, why? Lots of times. (laughs) Why? Isn't life full of questions? Full of questions? Why am I sick? Why is this going wrong? Why is my friend sick? Why, God, I've prayed and I've fasted. God, it feels like my prayers are not being answered. They're not working. God, why? God, it is not fair. It is not fair. So how do we grow in taking risks? Well, the place we have to start is where we are now. So the question I want to ask you is this. What do you feel about healing this morning? When I introduced this topic, what what went on inside here? Are you... Feeling excited, saying, great, we get to do it? Or are some of those emotions, you know, maybe disappointment, you know, for things that you've experienced personally or for somebody else? Is there maybe even some anger? Is there some maybe, you know, some apathy? you kind of like, whatever. How do you feel? And then what do you believe about healing this morning? Do you believe that God can use you to heal the sick? Indeed, you're seeing the fruit of that. You're seeing some healing release as you pray for people. Are you not sure what you believe about that? Did you used to believe that God could use you, but maybe you're not sure now, or maybe you don't think he can use you anymore? Maybe you don't believe that he can use you. My point is simply, where are you today? What, What do you feel, what do you believe, about taking a risk that God can heal now one of the things that I often hear in conversation with people is this I don't have the gift of healing I want to say this really clearly this morning I believe that that is a myth I believe it is a myth and I believe it because of this if you've said yes to Jesus he has poured out his Holy Spirit upon you and when you have the Holy Spirit, you have it all. God can use you now in any way that he chooses. Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 6 says this, all gifts to all believers. Everything becomes possible when we say yes to Jesus because the gift that we need is the Holy Spirit and he can use us in any way that he chooses. So I believe very clearly that if you say I don't have the gift of healing, there's a bit of unlearning and relearning to Jesus wants to use us to heal the sick. Now, a a guy that I know, Alan Scott, he used to pastor Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland, now pastors Anaheim Vineyard in California. He writes this. The call to heal the sick is inescapable. If you don't have the gift of healing, try out the gift of obedience. Obedience means... That however we feel, we do what Jesus says because unlike our feelings, he does not change. He is always good. He is always powerful. He is always loving and kind. He is always present. So we choose to trust him. So then, what do we do? What do we do? We, we, we've, we understand where we are now. What next? Well, this is how the first half of verse 21 reads. He's cried out. Why? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times. That's a little bit odd. As I read that text, I make the presumption that God must have told him to do that. Because that's not the first thing that would jump into your mind. So I'm working on the presumption that God had told him to do that. And so very simply, what we do next is obey. We say yes to Jesus and what he's asking us to do. You see, in the Gospel accounts, Jesus sent out his disciples to heal the sick. He gave them a very clear commission. And then in the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, he said, well, you go and make disciples and teach them everything I've commanded you. In other words, keep passing this instruction on. And we see that working out in the book of Acts. We see it working out through church history. And then we come to ourselves today. And that commission is as true today as ever it was. And it all starts with us saying yes to Jesus. Or saying, I'm going to do this. And then Elijah prays a prayer. Verse 21, second half. He cries out to the Lord. Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. That for me, it feels like a Jesus prayer because it's very short and it's very to the point and it is full of authority, just the way that Jesus prayed. If you read the Gospels, Jesus would come across lame people and he would say, walk. Come across blind people and he'd say something like, eyes open, prayers full of authority. And I believe that we can pray this way too. That in the authority that we have been given as children of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can speak words of command in Jesus' name. And in the area of healing, we can speak to the body and command it what we want it to do in Jesus' name. So we've prayed our best prayers. What do we do now? Elijah's story, verse 22. The Lord heard Elijah's cry And the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Very simply, we've done what we can do, we've said yes to Jesus, we then need to stand back and let God be God. Because when you look at this story, Elijah did not raise the boy back to life. God did. I don't believe that any of us have the power to heal. We have the authority to minister healing, but we do not have the power to heal. God does. And so we need to stand back and let God be God. We have been given authority to lay hands on the sick, and so we do that obediently. And then God has the power to heal. So we stand back and see what he wants to do. And then I love Elijah's matter-of-fact response. You know, as I said, we'd be letting off the fireworks, we'd be on social media, you know, boy raised to dead, he comes back and says, hey, mom, here's your boy. It's, It's so understated. And in verse 24, this is what the mom says. This is what the widow says back to Elijah. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth point that I want to share is this healing is always a signpost to more healing is never the destination it is always a signpost that there is more and if we want to see more we are going to need to take risks see when you look at Jesus's life his healing miracles always demonstrated that there was more they always pointed to more They pointed to the truth that what Jesus was saying was true. They pointed to the truth that God loves us, that God's kingdom is near, and that there is a day coming when Jesus will return and make everything new again. So they always point to more. And in the vineyard, we talk about the word and the works of God's kingdom, going hand in hand. I read this last week, that the words of Jesus illuminate and the works illustrate. They are a demonstration that what Jesus was saying was true. And they always point to more. Let, let me tell you a story. I remember a few years ago, I, I, I got wind at the end of one of our services. We were praying for healing, as you know, very often we do down at the front here. And I heard out of one side that someone had been healed and, and I, I normally try and sniff out those stories because I like to be encouraged. So I, I went and tried to find out what was going on and, and the person that had been prayed for had, had pain in some part of their body and as people had prayed, the pain had just gone. Just gone. And I knew that this person wasn't yet a Christian because I'd, I'd, I'd chatted to them previously and I knew they hadn't yet said yes to Jesus. And so... I, I said to them, look, it, it's wonderful what's happened to you, what does it tell you? And they said, I don't know. And I said, would you mind if I told you what I think it tells you? And they said, yeah, that would be great. So I said, what I think this tells you is that Jesus is trying to say hello to you this morning. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. It's like he's leaving you a calling card saying, I'm here and I love you. And so the question is, as Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, what are you going to do? Because Jesus wants to say hello. He wants to have friendship with you both now and for the whole of eternity. What do you want to do? Do you want to open your heart to Jesus? And the person said, yes. So we pray. And see, I love that they received healing that morning. I'm delighted that that part of their body that was hurting is made whole again. But I'm even more delighted that the ultimate healing of their soul in relationship with Jesus Christ has been fixed. Do you see the way that healing always points to more? It is always a signpost that there is more. I want to I turn and just get a little bit practical this morning. I want to share again um, the, the model for healing prayer that we use um, in the vineyard and in this church. It is a model, not a formula. What that means is a formula says that if you add A to B, you'll get C. That doesn't work in prayer. A model helps us not only to get started in prayer ministry, but also to help others um, to, to, to go on that journey with us. And so there are postcards around on your chairs this morning. They look um, like this. They're entitled How to Pray for Others. Can I, you may be using it as a fan already. If you're not, it's, it's, it's actually quite good. There's a good weight to these cards. Uh, do grab one of those. You can, you know, love you to take these home. Put it somewhere where, you know, it's, you can look at it, maybe in your Bible, somewhere like that. And I'm just going to very briefly go over this. It is three simple steps. Ask, pray ask first step ask what's the issue what hurts and so that might be when you're praying for somebody here might be in your small group it might be at work tomorrow wherever it is it might be down the shops in the in the coffee shop wherever it is you come across somebody they have got some pain in their body what's the issue and a question that jesus would often ask is what do you want me to do for you and so i ask that question what do you want jesus to do for you to so ask the question, and at the same time, ask the Holy Spirit to shine His light upon the situation. Second step, pray. And a really great place to start in prayer is to invite the Holy Spirit. The great prayer of the Christian church, come Holy Spirit. Pray that. Why is it important? It's important because God's power is in His presence. So when He is present, His power is present. And if we want to see the sick healed, we need the power of God. And so we invite the presence of God. And then we speak to the condition. We have authority to speak directly to physical conditions and speak in Jesus' name for there to be healing. Ask to lay on hands. Be appropriate. Very often in this church, you'll know, we encourage men to pray for men, women to pray for women. Not exclusively, but it does help in these kind of situations. And what I will do if I'm praying someone, you know, maybe they've got a pain in, the, in their back or something like that. I will ask if I can put a hand on their back. Because the last thing I want to do is go and slap a hand on their back and inflict more pain than they had to start with. That, that's just not being kind. So it's always good to ask. And then short prayers are good. I, I reckon now when I pray for somebody who's sick, my prayers are a maximum of one minute, normally about 30 seconds. I'm trying to get better at praying like Jesus, and Jesus' prayers were very, very short. I would also strongly encourage you, if you're the one praying, to keep your eyes open when you're praying. Let me tell you a couple of reasons why that's really important. The first is this, if you are praying with your eyes closed like this, and the other person gets bored and walks away, you look very stupid, like really stupid. The second and way more important reason is that very often we can see what Jesus is doing through our physical sight. So sometimes you might see someone looking anxious and it gives an insight as to what's going on. Sometimes you can see a peace descend upon them, almost like a sheen on a person. I have, as I've prayed for somebody, I have seen somebody's leg physically grow. I would not want to have missed that. And I would have done if my eyes had been closed. The other more important reason is it seems to me that that was the way that Jesus and the disciples prayed. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John at the temple gate, looked at the guy and then spoke a word of command. They seemed to pray with their eyes open. So we've asked, we've prayed, and then thirdly, we ask again. What is the Lord doing? What is going on? Ask the person to test out. You know, if it's a physical condition that can be tested out, like a knee or a back or an arm, Ask the person to test it out. That is a really important step. One, because you want to know, I hope you want to know, whether something's happened. And secondly, very often healing is activated as we do something. There are lots of stories in the Bible. For example, there was a time when Jesus met a blind guy. He made some mud in the ground and put it on the guy's eyes and then said, go and wash. Now, as I read that story, I wonder what would happen if the man said, no, I'm not really up for that. I reckon he would probably have walked around with mud for the rest of his days. Healing was activated as he went and did something. There's a story in the Old Testament in two kings. Elijah's successor, Elisha, he met a guy called Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. He said, I I need healing. And, And Elisha said to him, go and wash in this river seven times. And the guy said, no, I don't fancy it. Water's a bit dirty. And then he came to his senses and said, okay. And healing was activated as he did something. I have seen multiple times where healing has happened when people have actually tested it out. When they've actually gone to move something, that has been the moment that healing has been released. I will ask people a question. I would say, if the pain when we started was a 10, we'll call that 10. And zero pain is gone completely, we'll call that zero. You need to be honest and not nice. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Tell me where the pain is now. Between 10 and 0. And someone might say, 10, no change. And I'll say, that's okay. We'll pray again. Someone might say, 7. And you're saying, fabulous. God is at work. That's three-tenths better, 30%. I can do math. God is at work. Let's pray again. Sometimes people say, it's all gone. And then you're saying... We've hit hit the sweet spot this morning. You ask the question, and then pray again as necessary. If there is healing, then we don't advise people to stop taking medication. We advise people to go and get it checked out, to go to their GP. Whether or not there's been any healing, it is never an issue of whether the person had enough faith. That is really, really important. It is really important that the person knows whether or not anything happens, that God loves them, that he loves them deeply, whether or not anything happens. So we're going we're gonna to do it in a moment. We're going to have ministry time in a moment where we'll see what Jesus wants to do. But before that, let me point to a couple of things. Firstly, you'd have heard either Kim or Hannington share this this morning. There is a healing night at our evening service, 6.30 p.m. tonight. If you or someone you know is unwell, why don't you come on out? Now, it may be that as we pray in a moment, all of your physical pain goes, wonderful, come and pass it on to somebody else. It may be that you know a neighbor or a friend who's got a, a condition of ill health at the moment. Why don't you take a risk and invite them out? Second thing, I, I want to show you a short video. Back in March, we showed the first part of this video as a, as a pointer towards our Simply Jesus small group material. And so we left it there, and so some of you have seen this video before, others of you may not, it is a cracking story, hopefully
1: we can play. So uh, early Saturday morning, came out and uh, my neighbor was there, got chatting with him, found out he actually had a car accident uh, a few days before, and uh, he was in a lot of pain, he had a whiplash, and uh, so I asked him, well does it still hurt? And he was like, yeah, actually it's, it's really bad, so I was like, okay, could i pray for you i believe that jesus could heal you and uh, he was like yeah go on then so me and my friend who was there at the time we just asked if we could put a hand on his neck and then we pray in jesus name all pain go right now uh and we, we command you whiplash leave in jesus name and we waited a moment you could see that he was meeting with jesus he kind of his his shoulders were relaxed and he was kind of swaying a bit and we asked him uh what he felt was going on and he just said, "Well." I'm in a bit of a daze, and I, and I feel really different, and like my my shoulders feel feel much better. And um, so we are, "Well, is it is it completely gone?" He's like, "Well, I can still feel it a bit." Uh, so we asked if we could pray again because I, I said, "You know, I believe Jesus wants to heal you completely of this." And so he let us pray again for him, and again uh, we laid hands on and just in the name of Jesus commanded all pain to leave. And uh, and this time we asked him again, and he said, "Yeah." This, my pain's completely gone, and he, he was amazed, and he couldn't believe it. And I just said, well, look, Jesus loves you so much. He wanna, wants to have a relationship with you, and he's got the power to heal. And so he loves to show us his love for us by healing. And, uh, and then we, we had to get on our way, and he had to get on his way, so I just prayed a blessing over him uh, and his work, and, and then I'm excited to see what God's going to do next. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's a second part as well. We were in the, the van. Uh, going to the dump, and uh, the electrics failed, uh, the lights went out, and, uh, and I was like, well, look, we just saw this guy get healed, surely God can uh, heal the van as well, so we put our hands on the dashboard, in prayed in Jesus' name, and uh, the lights came back on, isn't that cool?
0: The encouragement I wanted to leave us with is this. I want to invite us all to make a commitment today to take a risk that God will heal. Invite you today to make a commitment to take a risk that God will heal. What does that look like for me? I'm, I'm trying to do this more and more in my life, that when I meet someone who is unwell, I will pray their So I've made a decision like now to do that in the future. And so a couple of weeks ago, um, a young lad came came in through the front doors for a Sunday morning. He was about to go upstairs to the kids' stuff. And and he just didn't look well. He was about seven or eight years old. So I said to him, are you doing okay? And he said, no, I've got terrible stomachache. So I could have just said, hey, why don't you go upstairs? Dave and the team will sort you out. But I've made a decision wherever I can to pray there and then for people that I meet that are unwell. So we can all do that, to make a decision in advance. And so here is a prayer that that I've shared with us before that I think is a really helpful prayer. Because most of us will go out into the world, you know, we'll go into our neighborhoods, we'll go to work offices, spaces, coffee shops. And it is not hard to find people who are unwell. Is that true? It it is really not hard to find people who are unwell. And so the invitation that I want us to to make or to take is this, that we can decide now to pray for them tomorrow when we meet them, when we bump into somebody. The The best time to make that decision is actually now. And so the prayer goes like this. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, However, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. You can make the decision today that you will take the risk tomorrow. And I would suggest that the best time to make that decision is actually today. To, To say today I am going to be a risk taker, that God will heal through me? My answer in advance is yes.